It is so good to be here. I have been away on vacation, and you know what? As much, I actually do try to put you all out of my mind while I'm on vacation, because uh, I, I want to spend time with my family, but every time when I come back, I am just reminded about how much I love this place and how much I love all y'all, and so I am just so thankful uh, that you're here, and you know what? Your presence really is an encouragement to me. And I hope the presence of others, especially when we get to, to gather and we get to sing and we get to pray and we get to study God's word together, I, I hope that's an encouragement to you as well. And one of the things that I love most as I, I look around the room is how we are such an eclectic bunch. I mean, if I'm really honest, I, I don't think that anywhere outside of this church, we would all gather. Like maybe at ICBC to renew our driver's licenses, but besides that, I don't think we would gather together. I mean, in our church, we have people on different ends of the political spectrum. You know, we'll be people will be talking about that for the next number of weeks leading towards a federal election. We have different people on different sides of the economic spectrum, on different platforms socially, on different ways we think about all sorts of different issues, even certain matters of faith. I know that there's certain theological things that people in our church would debate about. Yet, with all of those differences, we're still all gathered here in this place. And why that encourages me is because it shows how great our God is. Our God is able to take all sorts of people from all sorts of places, with all sorts of viewpoints, with all sorts of paths, and he's able to win them to himself, and then he's able to draw them into community. And there's all sorts of communities of his family around this city, around the world gathering today, but in particular, he drew this group of people here for right now to weave together a completely original tapestry which displays how good our God is. And so I want to thank you. Whether you've been here since before these walls were built and we met in a little school, whether you've been here for no other Sunday at all than this Sunday right now, your presence matters because it reminds us of how good God is. So let me just take a moment to thank God for who he is and take a moment to thank God for who you are and what he's doing in your life. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you that you have done something incredible, something that far exceeds any of our imaginations or our expectations. As I say, God, I can't believe the people that you've brought together, but God, it excites me because it shows me who you are. It shows us how good you are, how far-reaching you are, how deep your love is. God, it shows us how great you are. And God, I thank you for every person who you have bought, brought and bought to be part of this church community. God, I thank you for the fact that you take people 
who come from different places, from different viewpoints, with different paths together, and you weave us together so that we can be on display for, for you and for others, but Lord God, so we can also learn from one another, so we can take part in helping shape one another. Lord God, I just pray that today we would embrace everything that there is to see in the beauty of what you are doing through these people. God, I thank you for every member of our church family. Thank you for bringing them your time and time again. For those who are new, we thank you for, for bringing them, even if they're just exploring this, this, what faith in you could be like. God, I pray that, that, that that would be an encouragement for them, and thank you that it's an encouragement for us. God, as we now study your word, God, I pray that we would be encouraged by how you will speak to each and every one of us. We thank you for today, and we pray and turn over this time to the power of your spirit in your mighty name, Jesus, for your glory alone, Father. Amen. So today we are continuing on in our sermon series, Stay Positive. And this is actually our last week in the series, but if you haven't been with us all through, don't worry. Uh, I trust that there's still a message here for you that you can grab a hold of. But today as we talk about staying positive and having a, a heart and mindset that aligns with what God wants for us, I want to talk about encouragement. And we're going to do that by looking at a passage in scriptures in the book of Hebrews. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Hebrews. It's in the New Testament towards the back. Uh, pull it up on your phone. You can also follow along the screens. But we're going to be going to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 to 25. And in this passage, we're going to receive a word of encouragement. There's a message of encouragement in here. But then we're also going to have an opportunity to be encouraged to be encouragers. And we're going to see those two parts play together in this passage. Now, as you're turning there, let me give you just a little insight into why this was written, where this was written. This was a letter that was originally written uh, to a group of early Jewish Christians. This is a community of faith shortly after Jesus' life on earth, after the church has been established, and the writer writes to this group of Jewish Christians to give them one central message, and that central message is that Jesus is greater than everything. And he goes through, if you walk through this letter, you'll see that there's times where the author talks about how Jesus is greater than certain individuals who were heroes of the faith. He talks about how Jesus is greater than all circumstances, even that which discourages us most. And I think that just as much as this was an important message for those who first received that, it's important for us today. I mean, if we're going to go about our lives staying positive, having the right heart and mindset that God wants for us, we're all going to need a little bit of encouragement along the way. And so here in this passage, we're going to receive a message that hopefully can encourage us for the whole length of our life. And then we're going to receive an encouragement that encourages us to encourage others to help them along towards staying positive. So let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see that day approaching. This, message, this passage for me really is a, um, a message of encouragement. It's something that is really uplifting. It's something that I need to receive on the regular. On the first part, those first few verses that we read, verses 19 to 23, there's this message that is written that says, here is something that you can hold on to. Here is a message of great importance that is going to carry you through the discouraging stuff. If we were honest, well, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, though, how many of you were discouraged when you came into this place? How many of you maybe at some point throughout this week, maybe even, you know, the fight on the way to church, maybe thinking about the political talk, maybe one of any number of things came in with this weight? You know what I'm talking about where you just got something? And sometimes it's not even always at, at, the, at the forefront of your mind, but there's just something that's nagging at you, chewing at you, eating you up. How many of us have come to this place with discouragement? How many of us have gone into a conversation this week where we've been frustrated? Maybe we felt beat up. Maybe we've beat up somebody else. We've come to this different place with these different experiences because of these different things that are going on in our lives which have left us far from positive. And so actually, sometimes when we come to church and maybe you see the bright yellow graphic which says stay positive, you sit there and you just roll your eyes. Or maybe you just scoff a little bit because you're like, ugh, right? Like, is this just another one of those, like, toxic, positive talks? Like, is this just going to be, you know, a Tony Robbins session where we're going to come together and we're going to talk about something and then we're just going to go out into the world that's just, and ugh, it's just going to all start again? Well, the message from this author in Hebrews is, is, is none of that. It's actually to inspire the opposite of that, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. When the author of Hebrews was writing to these people to encourage them how Jesus was greater than everything, he was writing in the midst of a very difficult circumstance. These early Christians were persecuted. Now we throw that word around all the time now, and I'm not talking about just being mocked for a faith. I'm not talking about just having inconveniences towards our faith. I mean, these people are getting not just mocked, but they're being tortured, they're being murdered, their families are being attacked because of the belief that they have. And so when this author comes to write to this audience, they can't come with just some out-there toxic positivity. Because we know how unhelpful it is to come into a dark circumstance and just be like, ah, it could be worse. We know how 
unhelpful it is to be like, just, just, just forget about it, right? Like, just, just move past. Like, have you ever had someone who said that to you anything? You know? Like, it's, it's the worst thing that you could ever possibly do, right? Oh, I understand what you're going through, but, right? Like, it just, that, that's not going to hit the mark. And so, when the author of Hebrews was writing this, they, they, they had to bring something of value. They had to bring something with some meat to it, right? This had to be something that was really going to actually transcend all of these dark circumstances these people were facing. And as they think about this, as they write about it, there is only one thing that they could come to. And it's a message that stood the test of time all the way from the early church in the first century to us today. And it's the message that there is something greater. There is something that moves us beyond. The author of the book of Hebrews says, no matter what is discouraging you, always remember that the worst thing has been dealt with. Well, what could be worse than being tortured, being killed? What could be worse than sitting through another hour of political debate on CBC? The worst thing that could ever possibly happen to any one of us is a separation from a good and loving God. The worst thing that could happen is for any single individual to be hopelessly shipwrecked for eternity from all that which gives life and hope and peace and joy. And so the author of the book of Hebrews says, I know that what you are going through is immensely difficult, but look at what God has done. What has God done? He's torn down every single barrier that could stand between you and him. And so the author writes, and they tell us about a certain circumstance where something that visually represents the separation between God and mankind was torn down. For these early Jewish Christians, they would have remembered a time where God's presence was almost unobtainable. They would remember that when they would go to worship God, they would never be fully able to enter into his presence. You see, because God is perfect and he's holy and he's all-powerful and we are everything but, we are broken, we are sinful, we are his enemies. Without him, we, we couldn't go into his presence. And so when God first established his presence on earth, there was a barrier. We see this actually with the tabernacle in the Old Testament where God sets up and has the Jewish people moving throughout and he sets up this space within the place where the Jewish people would worship called the Holy of Holies. And then the Jewish people will eventually trudge that around through all their journey until Solomon sets up the temple where there will be this new Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a room that was about, uh, you know, uh, 20 by 20 in distance, and in that space was where God would be present. He says, I will be present for my people in one spot here on earth. Of course, he's everywhere, but he says, this is will be where my tangible presence will be able to be filled. But because you as people are far from me, because you are sinful, because you continue to transgress against me, you won't actually be able to all come into this space. 
And so God established a place where he would be, where he could be found, but there was a separation, and it was this giant curtain. And in the tabernacle, this curtain was actually about three feet in depth. A massive curtain that would separate people from God. And it represented the spiritual reality that took place between God and mankind. And so the only person who was able to go into this place was the high priest. The high priest could go in once a year after they had gone through a ritual where they had washed themselves fully clean, where they had prepared a sacrifice to pay, to atone for their sin is the language they would use, and that blood would be sprinkled on the altar of God as a representation that they were sorry, that the people of God were sorry. And that was a part of what would happen for God to allow them to enter into his presence for just a moment. And so once a year, this whole ritual would take place and the, per- the high priest would enter in to the Holy of Holies and there he would spend some time with God. Now that whole situation doesn't seem very encouraging, does it? I mean, when I think about that, I'm like, well, why, why, do, like, why, why God put yourself in like a box and only one guy can come in and then he kind of comes out and shares with you? Like that seems very difficult. Oh, why would you do that? And of course, it's to represent the spiritual reality that we are all abandoned from God and there is only one who could bring us towards him. But there was this perpetual problem that the sin kept on happening and they had to do this year after year after year until a significant event took place. And that significant event was that someone who was perfect could come fully clean, to be a perfect sacrifice to tear down that wall. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 and 51, we read this. It says, when Jesus cried out in a loud voice, this is him as he hangs upon the cross. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split. The author of the book of Hebrews alludes to this ancient Israel culture peace. This ancient tradition of religion as a way to remind us that God is present. That there was once something that loomed over every one of us that should discourage us, that should weigh us down, that should beat us up that should leave us twisting and tormenting in agony, and that is that each and every one of us, without the rescue that Jesus provides, will be eternally separated from his presence. But because of who he is, because of his great love for us, all that is wrong has been made right. The worst thing in the world has met its demise in the person and power of Jesus. When we go about our day-to-day living, facing certain discouragement, certain problems, certain hiccups, loads of inconveniences, many frustrations, people we don't like, politics we don't like, policies we don't like. We need to have the right perspective. 
we need to have the perspective that everything that is important has taken place in Jesus. In fact, if we jump down to the end of verse 25, it will also remind us within this passage that uh, he says, he encourages us to come to church, which we're going to come back to. He says, all the more as you see the day approaching. Even within that, there's an extra nugget that Jesus will return. The God of the universe who created it, who sustained us, who rescued us, will one day come again. And he will establish the fullness of his kingdom and his presence and our ability to enter in to his presence for the fullness of eternity one day coming soon. If you're walking around discouraged this week, turn and look to Jesus. If you feel frustrated in a conversation at work, if you feel frustrated with something that's going on with your spouse or with your kids or with somebody else, turn and remember Jesus. Remember what he has done. Remember that any little inconvenience pales in comparison to who God is. Be encouraged. We have a lot to be thankful for. But let's be honest. Can we admit that sometimes it's just hard to remember? Like, sometimes it's just like, 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 we get this, especially those who are long-season Christians. We hear it, and we talk about it again and again and again because we need to be reminded of it. But, but we all know, right? Like, I can't remember this. Like, I go through so many circumstances. Even this week, knowing that I'm preparing to preach this message, I went through so many different things this week where that totally went out of my mind. Like, I was just annoyed, or I was upset, or I was sad, or what? Like, also, I, I, I'm, people who know me, right? I'm like an emotional ping pong ball. Like, I'm back and forth all over the place. Like, uh, I forgot. Let's be honest. But God, in his infinite wisdom, didn't just come to save us, but he came to save us again and again and again from ourselves. And so what he did is he established something which will help us remain encouraged. Let's look at the next couple of verses, verses 23 to 25, where he, the writer of Hebrews says this, so let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. So stay encouraged, keep remembering this, stick to this message through everything you have. But what comes right after that? And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as the day approaches. Do you want to stay encouraged? You got to get with God's people. Do you want to be an encouragement? You got to encourage people to be with God's people. God knew what he was doing when he designed the world and the way that we would operate. God hardwired us to be people who would need others because he knew that no one of us could keep going on day by day living perfectly positively, living perfectly in line with what he wants for us, always thinking about exactly what we should be thinking about, always remembering the good and encouraging news that the gospel brings to our lives. And so what he did is he said, I'm going to take you and you and you and you to every single person on the planet, and he said, I'm going to build into you this need and this purpose 
And the need that you will have will always be for other people. And the purpose that you will always have is to be with other people to meet their need. And so, Jesus himself establishes the gathering of God's people to remember who he is. The author of Hebrews tells us, get together. Spend some time with one another. You will meet it as you go forward. You know, as COVID went on and we were going through lockdown, there were some serious points in my life where I was just a train wreck. And a lot of that train wreck was to do with the fact that I couldn't be with the people that God has brought into my life. I mean, it just sucked. Like, it was awful. It was hard to stick and be encouraged because there was this limited ability to get together with God's people to be encouraged because I couldn't carry it on my own. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. I get to work in a, in a Christian environment in the church where, where I had other staff to work with and talk about faith and stuff. But, but still then, there was so much missing. And I remember how profoundly this grabbed a hold of me. It was at our first drive-in service when we came back to in-person services. We were all, everyone who was able to come uh, sat out there in their cars and we had the stage in the, the front under the awning and, and the band was playing and I remember just standing beside my car looking around and with tears in my eyes I said, this is what I need. Because, you know, in the midst of all the frustration of everything that was going on and all the decisions that were being made and all the personal stuff that was happening, I realized that sometimes I need to be encouraged by the voices of other people, by the presence of those who are gathered around. Just by seeing the faces, it reminds me of how great our God is. And what he has done, not just in my life, but in yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, and yours. We need one another if we're going to stay positive. We need one another if we're going to truly embrace the message of what it means to understand the gospel. Gathering together matters. This is so important. And why gathering matters is because it does remind us that we're not alone. It reminds us, just like it reminded me in that parking lot, that there are God's people and he's working and he's alive and active in their lives. Gathering together gives us an opportunity to remember that we're not alone in the tough stuff. You know, we all go through different things in life. You know, whether it's marriage stuff or parenting stuff or singleness stuff or school stuff or financial stuff, all sorts of stuff, health stuff. We all go through things. And when we're going through things, one of the first things that begins to happen is we start to retreat into ourselves. We start to look and focus internally. And when we do that, we actually can't see the beauty of who God is and how he's working. But when we come to a place where there's other people who are going through things and we begin to talk and share with one another, 
when we begin to pray with other people, it can help us to rise out of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Gathering together allows us to help one another in our walk with Jesus. In this passage, it says, spur each other on towards love and good deeds. But you know what? Sometimes it's hard to know how to love and how to live in the way of Jesus. You know, one of the things that was really, that really struck me in this was, was even yesterday. Yesterday, Amy and I were spending some time uh, with a friend of ours who, who I really appreciate. I love his perspective on how he views the world. And we were just sitting and, and having some lunch, and, and we were talking at one point about parenting. <laughs> and he was sharing uh, 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 for a moment just something that he had learned in parenting that really struck a chord with me. It struck a chord with me because I have been sitting wondering how do I help my children grow as followers of Jesus? How do I help my children grow and become better? And it was in the opportunity that we took to spend time with someone of faith and they took time to spend time with us that I was able to see and know and understand something new in how I could be a better follower of Jesus to help my kids be better followers of Jesus. We need to gather constantly. But when we gather, we need to be intentional. One of the things that I would really love to see our church do as we move into this next season of school and busyness and ministry is for us not to just come to this place to, to, to be consumers, but will we come to this place with the intentionality that we're going to be people who live in exchange with one another? Would we be people who would come and be intentional to speak about more than just sports or the weather or pick up and drop off or, you know, those types of things? Would we take the opportunity to genuinely, as we gather together, come with the heart where we speak with one another. Share the things that are going on in your life with others. Allow others to speak into your life from the experiences that they have had and allow God in the midst of that to do his work. The other reason why gathering matters is because it can help carry us through. You know, a lot of us, when we come discouraged to church, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but at least I've had this experience. Sometimes I come to church, and it's really hard to sing the words that are on the screen. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe there's something going on, and it's just eating at your mind. Or maybe there's something on the screen, and you're like, I don't know if I believe that today. Or maybe I believe it in my head, but I just don't feel it in my heart. One of the great things about the gathering of church is that we're able to support one another in that. I am constantly encouraged by our worship teams because as they are able to sing and declare who God is, even if I'm in a place where I'm maybe thoughtful somewhere else or where I'm bogged down in a place that I can't quite connect with the message, I'm able to allow their voices to wash over me and to speak to me and sometimes for me. 
Sometimes when we gather together for worship, whether it's through the singing, through the prayer, through someone sharing a message from the Bible to us, what happens is that we have someone else provide for us, to teach us, to guide us, to help us along the way. It's such a beautiful thing. But the thing is, it's also not all about receiving. Sometimes we get to be the person who teaches and guides and helps along the way. A lot of times we view worship as a solo sport, especially when it comes to things like singing and prayer. We sit there and we think, well, this is, a, this is my time. This is me and God or me and me, and I'm just going to do this thing here. But actually what happens is when we sing, we speak to one another. When we raise our hands, we lift up worship on behalf of one another. What we're meant to do is do this thing called worship. Everything we're doing this morning, from the moment we walk in the door and we start talking together, to the moment where we start to sing, to where people pray, to people where people read scripture, to where people speak, to where we go and gather again and talk about the message afterward, all of that is a team activity. And in that, God works. And he allows us to encourage one another. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. That, that, that really gets to me. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it just ticks me off, actually. But it really eats me up because I go, yeah, you know what? Maybe you can be a person who has a faith on your own, but you can't be a healthy one. There's no way we can be healthy on our own. And not only are you robbing the health of yourself, but you're robbing the health of another. When we gather in this place, we are supporting one another. I'm so genuine when I say that I'm so thankful for the eclectic, weird bunch of people who God has brought together to this place because as every single one of us gathers, we see more and more of the story that God has written and more and more of the story that God is continuing to write in our lives. And that encourages us. And it allows God to jump from one person's page into our page and continue on in our story. Then it leaps from our page to someone else's page and he keeps writing a story. We need each other. We're about to go into a season that's going to be extraordinarily busy for all of us, especially those who have kids and grandkids who you're shuffling around, some leaving off vacation, going back into the office, some of us ramping up programs or teaching or all sorts of business strategies. We're going into a ramped up season, and the thing that the devil is going to try to do to our church is say, you're too busy to go to church. You're too tired to go to church. Why don't you just sleep in? It's okay, you're a person of faith. Don't worry, you don't need other people. They don't need you. But the reality is that will be the devil talking. We need you. You need us. We all need to be together if we're going to stay positive. If we're going to make a positive difference in our community if we are going to see more of God's kingdom come here in Abbotsford as it is in heaven, because God, in his infinite wisdom that I don't always understand, said, I am going to work through these gathered people 
from all sorts of places, with all sorts of viewpoints, with all sorts of strengths and all sorts of weaknesses. I'm going to work through them because the beautiful tapestry that I weave will bring me glory. So church, be encouraged by those who are gathered around you today and be an encouragement by continuing to gather. Every Sunday after, every community group gathering after, every program after. Let's be encouraged and see God glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, it's challenging because sometimes, Lord, there's just so much. There's just so much negativity. There's just so much frustration. There's just so much hurt, Lord God, that it's so hard to stay positive. But God, we know that you're building a kingdom that's about no sickness and no suffering and no sadness and, and no hurt and no pain and no division. And God, we want to embrace more of that. God, that's our heart for positivity is to see the fullness of your kingdom and experience it day to day. So Lord God, would you help us would you help us to believe the gospel, the good news that you have saved us and that you are building your kingdom day upon day and that one day you will return and you will rule on your kingdom on earth forever and that there will be no more anything but your glory and your goodness. God, I thank you for this church and I thank you for the representation that each one is today of that coming kingdom. God, I pray that we would continue to gather, that we would continue to spend time together, that we would continue to encourage one another as a means of experiencing more and more of that kingdom. And God, as we do that, would you be brought all the glory. Lord God, now as we respond to you with our voices, with our hands lifted high, with our, our knees bent in prayer, however we will worship you in these coming moments. Lord God, I just pray that we would encourage one another and that it would point people towards you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of gathering. Amen.